John 15. Yeah, John 15. Thank you, bro. We have a we have a lot to cover, and I'll just say from the beginning, I'm I'm burdened. Can I push this real yeah. Good. I just want to say I'm I'm burdened about this, and it's a joyful burden. Um, but we are going to hit on incredibly life-changing themes, and you'll see them right in the text. Um, we'll look, we'll reference numerous texts, but we're going to primarily focus on one text in John 15. And um, I'm well. Many of us uh, this morning we're earnestly praying for the Lord's powerful working in all of our lives today through this text. So I won't say more than that. Uh, John 15, verse number nine, if you would. John 15 and verse number nine. As the Father loved me, this is Jesus Christ speaking. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. And so, in the name of Jesus Christ, um, we cast ourselves dependently before an omnipotent God, and we pray that you would remove distractions. We pray that you would open in this very second, that you would open eyes, that you would open ears, that you would open hearts, and that the Spirit of power would have his way through this passage during this session and the session to come. In Christ's name we ask it and believe you to do this uh, according to your will. Amen. So yesterday we talked about God's, God's burden for the North American church, the invitation, come to me. Um, today we're going to look at stay with me. So once you have, in a holistic, unreserved way, come to Christ, then the next instruction that we're looking at for the week is you must stay with Christ. To use exactly the language of John 15, um, you must abide in his love. Abide in his love. So we have three points, primary points, that we're going to notice from the text this morning. And the number, the number one point is this, that we are called to abide. We are called to abide. So let's define it. Like this is so essential, right? Everything that we're saying must be so thoroughly biblical, like unwaveringly biblical. What is Jesus Christ calling his people to do in this text? 
Abide means remain in a place or state. Remain in the place where I love you. That's what he's saying. I live, says Jesus Christ, second member of the Godhead, I live in an eternal love relationship with the Father. That's what we're being invited into, by the way. I live in an eternal love relationship, completely satisfying with my Father. And as the Father has poured for all eternity past, has poured out His love on me, I'm loving you. The most amazing person that any of you will ever meet. Some of you perhaps will meet Him as judge someday and be cast into the lake of fire. That's a dreadful that's a dreadful thought, but it's a reality. But the most amazing person that any one of us have, will ever meet in all of eternity is saying this morning, just the way, the same quality of love that the Father has for me, that's the quality of love that I have for you. The same degree of love that the Father has for me, that's the degree of love that I have for you. The same enjoyment of, of completely absorbing love relationship that I have enjoyed forever with my Father, um, you must stay. This is an exhortation. How do the disciples go on successfully without the physical presence of Christ? This is the upper room ministry. Christ is going away. And so he tells them, you must stay in the place where I love you. Therefore, we can clearly deduce from God's powerful, authoritative word that this is a choice that must be made by every follower of Christ. You either choose to remain in the place where he loves you, remain in the state of unhindered love relationship between you and, and the Lord Jesus, or you choose not to. The Gospel of John is a tremendous example of this love relationship. Um, I'm not going to take the time to turn there. Uh, if you're taking notes, you could just jot down John 3.35. It says, The Father loves the Son, and He has given all things into His hand. So what, what kind of love relationship? This is a super important question. What kind of love relationship are we talking about? Well, it's the kind of love relationship where he loves us, and so he hands things that are incredibly important, and he trusts us with them. Is that a sober responsibility? Yeah. If Gary was the leader of a military organization, and we were the troops, and and he bore the leadership responsibility of deciding who goes on the hardest mission that he's ever seen. Um, maybe half the people will survive. And they know that going in. But that's what they're called to do. And he has to pick the people. As he surveys the crowd and picks the soldiers that he would trust to go on that mission, would it be an honor to be chosen? It would, wouldn't it? You might lose your life, but it's an honor to be entrusted with things by God. An incredible honor. An incredibly humbling privilege. 
I hope you have a sense of what God has entrusted you with. If you're too young, I'm not wanting you to feel bad about that, but if you're too young in your thinking to really have a clear sense of what God has entrusted you with, then just ask him, Lord, would you just show me? I see it right there, right? John 3.35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Would you show me what you've entrusted to me and then help me in a humble Christ-like way to fiercely guard that? So it's a love relationship where where he hands you things and he says, okay, now you're in charge of this and I believe in you. I trust you and I'm handing you this. And yes, you'll give an account someday, but I'll give you everything that you need to accomplish this for my glory. Uh, John chapter five says, the father loves the son and shows him all things. What does the love relationship produce? The Lord Jesus knows what, what is the heart of, of the Father. He knows what's in the mind of the Father. We'll talk about this more later in the week. We'll also talk about it more in point number three. This is soul thrilling. It's the kind of love relationship where you actually know the person and you know what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Oh, so it's shocking. Uh, John chapter 10 The Father loves me, says the Lord Jesus, therefore I lay down my life. Actually, I I quoted that wrong. I combined two scriptures, and I don't want to do that. Um, John chapter 10, you don't have to turn. Therefore the Father loves me because I lay down my life. And so I just want to throw this out there, and then I'm going to trust the Lord to um, use it how he sees fit. I want you to see that. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life. And on behalf of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you all, and this is every one of you, starting with um, our two Dixon brothers, um, let another man's lips praise you and not your own. It is such a massive joy for me as a 46-year-old to sit there and to watch. And I get no less joy from Josh and Rachel. <laughs> but to watch two, two, if you don't mind me saying, older warriors um, sitting there and just leading singing and going on faithfully for the Lord. Oh, I love that, right? I love that. So, so from, from the elder statesmen in the group all the way to the youngest ones that have the ability to take this in, I, on behalf of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to lay down your lives for Christ today. My biblical authority for what I'm saying is is Philippians 3. I have counted all things rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then he says, I continue to count in the Greek. I continue to count all things rubbish. So that's my biblical authority. And I'm extending that invitation on behalf of Christ so if you've lived a whole life that way, then be like Paul and this morning and just say, Lord, I do it again. <laughs> you can have all of me. I want to learn. I want to grow. Right? I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. And I want to be like Caleb. And in my older years, I want to see the mountains and say, Lord, give me that mountain. So literally from the oldest statement, the statesman, the elder statesman, the ones that we respect and are so thankful for, all the way to the youngest. It is so biblically appropriate just to say to the Lord, you you can have everything in me. And I encourage that with all my heart based on the authority of the word of God. So what the Lord has put in front of us, he sent us over three years ago to to Freedom, California. Um, 
and we love it. Uh, we love living here. We love the state. We love our mission field. I'm not going to talk a lot about that. Um, four years ago, on July 4th, 2017, the Lord showed, um, I read this note the other day on my phone, the Lord showed that um, Phoenix would be the next stop on the map after Freedom, California. And I have that written down. And I have it written down where I beg the Lord to confirm it with his word because a, a stupid little man like me can mess it up so easily. And if you give me any room to mess it up, I'll mess it up. So please confirm it with your word and I'll wait on you as long as it takes. I just want your will. And July 4th, 2017, he showed me Phoenix and then he, and then he confirmed it with his word. And I have all of that recorded. Um, a couple months ago, we had our first formal commitment of a family uh, that are going to be on the Phoenix team. Yeah. Oh, it used to be fun to march onto a football field with a bunch of guys and go to battle. I love that. I love that. I love the practicing. I love the games. I love the films. I loved lifting weights. I, I loved every bit of it. The blood, the sweat, the tears. I loved all of it. And this is like a billion times better. Oh, it's amazing to follow the Lord. And so I invite you. I'm not challenging you. I'm not exhorting you. On behalf of Jesus Christ, I, I, this is a missionary challenge. I invite you to lay your lives down completely in light of love relationship. Do the same thing that Christ did. The Father loves me because I lay my life down. All right, that's the kind of love relationship that is being described. And just offer yourselves to the Lord. I think it's possible that the Lord would tap you on the shoulder and say, this is what I want for you. Um, Dan Williams and I used to talk in high school about going to the West Coast and planning churches. Um, yeah, I look back at that and I just think, that's crazy. We were just little boys, but there were seeds in our heart that were placed there by God. And that's possible that the Lord will do that um, in your lives. Maybe you would be part of the Phoenix team. I don't know. Um, you know, the other team that I've been just really intensely praying for recently is the Las Vegas team. Um, we're going to send a team to that city when the Lord, in the Lord's time, we're going to send a team to Sin City. Yeah. Um, oh, I love Vegas. I love, we were there just, I think, last week, if I'm remembering right. Um, I love going to that place and fellowshipping with God in His love for those people and his desire. He's both doing a work there now, and he's going to do another fresh work of God in that place. And I love praying for the team. Lord, sanctify them today. Prepare them today. Show them the, the reality of the grace of God today, so that they learn to draw from the grace of God rather than just consistently in this cycle of falling to sin. Help them learn that today, so that when we send them, they don't become part of Sin City. But Sin City is radically transformed by those that carry the gospel to that place. Uh, maybe it's Salt Lake. Boy, you couldn't have too many, two different cities. Uh, Salt Lake is religiously unsaved. Right, by the way, neither one is more disgusting to, to God. False religion or Sin City. 
Those are both equally disgusting to the Lord. They're equally offensive, stinky in his nostrils. But Salt Lake, 50% Mormon, 2 million people. Um, Helena, Montana, 35,000 people, if I'm remembering correctly. Big sky country, beautiful. Again, 6 million people in Phoenix, (laughs) 187 degrees. No, it's not that bad. Um, Yeah, but then you think about Helena, Montana, tiny, rural, right? Such Boise, Idaho, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington. These are the cities. And please, please um, understand, if this was human-driven, I would be the first one off the boat. Everyone that knows me knows this is true. If this is human creativity, human vision, let's try to do something for God, I would be the first one to say, I'm absolutely 100% out. I want nothing to do with this. These eight cities were given to us after literally hundreds and hundreds of prayer meetings, seeking God over the course of years. And in his time, he set these eight cities out. So I don't know, if you lay down your life today in response to the word of God, I don't know um, what God will call you to. I know, that's, that's above my pay grade. I don't deserve to know that. That's Jesus Christ's job. And he'll do an amazing job of guiding, guiding your life. But I do, based on God's word, I, want, I just want to put that call out there. Um, yeah. Christ said, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. That's the kind of love relationship that's being described. Um, okay. Uh, turn if you want to. This is so important. Uh, go to Jude. We will pop right back to John 15. I actually don't care if if you turn or not, but I want to read you a supporting verse here. If you're turning, then highlight this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, verse number 20, praying in the Holy Spirit, and then please notice this instruction, keep yourselves in the love of God. The word keep. I'm trying to systematically build a biblical case here for the benefit of the people of God. The word keep means this. This is so soul-thrilling. Um, it means this, to guard or to attend to carefully. Guard the place where I pour my love on you. For me, I sit with God. Another teammate that I love and respect greatly, he walks with God physically walks with God. He goes on walks with the Lord. Beach, mountains, whatever. Like he has his spots. I just sit. Like that's what works for me. But either way, in John 15, it says, remain in the place where I love you. In Jude, guard the place where I love you. Attend to carefully the place where I love you. This is what, this is what I missed and I, I have 10 friends that would, that would stand up here and say the exact same thing. Through 20 years of public ministry, this is what we missed. We related to God like servants rather than like a friend and a bride, which is what we'll see as we go through the text. So it's right there. Um, the Lord longs to love you, pour his love out on you, and we must be diligent to protect the time. In other words, have a date with Jesus Christ. Don't miss the date. You should approach God. This isn't a blank piece of paper, but you should approach God with a blank piece of paper 
and at the very top put Jesus Christ is Lord, and then under that put abide in my love, and then whatever else is in your life, that's fine, right? But, but always keep that at the top. Where's Josh and Rachel? They're here somewhere back there. I thought of you guys this morning um, as, I, as I read this. Um, yeah, and if, if you guys really get this, and I'm not saying that you don't already do it. I would never say that. Um, but if you grow into the fullness of, of what the Lord Jesus is describing here, your little girl will grow up in an amazing home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, for sake of time, uh, we must move on. Point two in the outline is to obey is to abide. To obey is to abide. John 15 and verse number 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Sometimes Christians get nervous when you start talking about love relationship. But I want you to notice that the kind of love relationship that Jesus Christ is urging the people of God into is a love relationship that is characterized by obedience. In fact, I would put it this way. There is an inextricable link between obedience and abiding. Notice what he says again. If you keep my commandments, that if is huge. That's circle worthy. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So there's an inextricable link between obeying and abiding. They're almost synonymous. I mean, they're not synonymous, but they're kind of like two sides of a coin. Like you can't separate them. God ties them together. This is such an essentially important point. Um, Go to John 14, just the page before, and look at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse number 23. No, 21. Yeah, we can't skip 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you're taking notes, please jot down, obedience leads to intimacy. How do you get to know Christ better? What is the path forward? in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. It's obedience. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we, now it's the father and the son, will come to him and make our home with him. That's the kind of life I want to live. In a million years, that's what is going to make heaven heaven. We are going to be with the Lord. And that's all that matters. That's all, in a million years, that is the thing that is going to completely satisfy our hearts. And you can live the kind of life now where you're completely filled up to overflowing with joy, with love. This quality of life is what the world is desperately hungry for. And if we let the Lord have his way in us, like day after day after day, praying for revival, right? If we let the Lord have his way in us, then we, the greatest argument to an unsaved world is a church that is passionately in love with Christ. We must let the Lord have his way in us, and then you'll just overflow. 
You'll shine. Let your lights shine before men. I love his focus. Um, verse 20, uh, 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. So let me throw this out. Um, obedience leads to intimacy. Obedience leads to a soul-thrilling, all-consuming love relationship with Christ. Obedience leads to fullness of joy. We read that at the beginning, and I haven't referred. I'll refer to it here in just a second, but you see it right there. Well, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, verse 11, and that your joy may be full. So again, I'm not exhorting you on purpose. I'm inviting you. Obedience leads to the life of blessing. In Deuteronomy, um, Moses gives three sermons, and in one of those, he says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The curse if you disobey and turn aside from the way that I've commanded you today. And I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm setting before you a blessing and a curse. How do you take God's blessing here? You obey. So this is only an example. It's not the end goal, but it's only an example. If there's a believer here that is yet to be baptized, you're out of the will of God. And I'm not pounding on you. I have no desire to do that. There's nothing in my heart that would want to hit you with God's word. I'm begging you and inviting you, come into the kind of life that is being described here. As quickly as would honor the Lord, that should be rectified. But it's not like I want to hold up baptism and say that this is the end goal. If, you bapt- if you're baptized, you're good. <laughs> I'm choosing baptism as an example because it's, it's an example. It's a physical demonstration of going down into the water. I am crucified with Christ. I've died with Christ. Being buried with him in baptism and then being raised again unto new life. What typifies that new life? Obedience. So it's a whole lifestyle of constant yieldedness. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. And then you just live every day, right? So it starts, it's, baptism is the first, it's intended biblically to be the first act of obedience in the life of a Christian. We just mess it up by not obeying the Scriptures. And so I'm inviting you, every one of you, by the way, to be wholly yielded to God. And come into the blessing that he has for you. So in my life a while back, um, I started saying to things to my wife like, like um, I can't imag- imagine heaven being any better than this. And I was serious. And, and it was hard to get the words out of my mouth um, because it sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> Which one of us doesn't think heaven will be better than this? Um, but I was being honest. Yeah, and I was only telling my wife. Right? It sounded so crazy to even say it out loud. And I didn't know how to state it biblically. That actually is a consistent theme in my life. The Lord does things and it's like, this is so amazing. I wish all the people of God would, would get this. And then he teaches me how to see it biblically. And then he teaches me how to articulate it biblically. You know what was happening in my life? Fullness of joy. Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy. John 15, as the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Stay in the place where I love you. What does that lead to? Notice it in the text. 
Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And then if we wanted, we could go to 1 John 1, 1 through 7 and see the same thing. Such a theme, beautiful theme. So I'm, I'm begging you on behalf of Christ, don't, don't choose the way the transgressor is hard. How many people do you know that are choosing the hard, the miserable, the destruction? Just choose the blessing. Here it is, right? would say the Lord. Here it is. Fullness of joy. Love relationship. The same thing that will thrill your heart in a million years in heaven can thrill your heart every day now if you'll only submit to biblical Christianity as opposed to American Christianity. All you have to do is come and take it. It's, it's for every believer. Amazing, amazing offer. Okay, point three. Point three in the outline. You can be a friend of Christ. So point one, we are called to abide. Point two, to obey is to abide. Point three, you can be a friend of Christ. Now I want you to see it in the text. Verse 14. You are my friends if, that's circle worthy, you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Uh, used to do conferences every weekend. I don't have the strength to do that anymore, or a desire. Um, the Lord has given me um, a certain task, and our earnest prayer is that we will be good soldiers of Christ Jesus in that task. Um, but that used to be my life. And um, I would be so exhausted on Sunday night um, and in airport that I would feel like vomiting. And, um, and then I would come home and, and I would just need to recover, right? You'd be home Monday evening through Friday. You'd leave for the next conference. I used to feel so guilty that I would be, I'd be so dry on Friday. And I would think, I'd say, Lord, I... I um, uh, like I'm somebody's conference speaker this weekend and I don't even want to go. Um, like I just want to sit in my office with you, or sorry, not with you really, and that's my point, is I would try Tuesday through Thursday, I would do everything in my power to recover and just catch my breath before the next sprint, the next weekend. But what we were desperately missing is relating to the Lord like a friend and a bride as opposed to like a servant. We were relating to God like servants, and we were working hard for God. Anybody that knows the reality of our lives knows that that's true. Abundant labor, for sure, but we were all missing this. And I'm saying that because I just desperately want the people of God to get it. We had a men's prayer retreat as a step of faith in um, Phoenix. This was before the first family committed, but uh, almost a year ago, last fall, we had a men's prayer retreat in Phoenix, and we wanted to go to that city and pray. And a man in his 70s, he's been an elder for probably 40 years. Um, at the end of the week, he said, he said, <laughs> he said, I wish all of God's people could get this. And I said, I know, I know, I know, I know.
It's all right here. We're supposed to live in a love relationship. Obedience is, is key. It's inextricable to living in a love relationship with him. You can be a friend of Christ. What does friendship produce? Okay, see it in the text. Um, I hope everybody has open Bibles in front of them. You must see this in the text. Okay, let's read it. Um, Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. A servant does not know. So if if you want to, highlight the word know or circle the word know. What does friendship produce? You know his mind, you know his heart. Boyd Nicholson, um, at a rise up many years ago, um, he was telling a story in William McDonald's seminar, and he told this story of, of he went to an assembly and he said um, this. He got up in front of the whole assembly. He said, the Lord has given me no message for you today other than to say there's a stone that must be rolled away. And then he sat down. And... Um, he sat there in awkward silence for a number of minutes, and then the Lord judged somebody in the audience, um, and that man stood up angrily, and he marched out of the, the chapel. And as soon as the chapel door shut, the Lord gave Boyd a message. That's knowing what's in the mind of the heart, in the mind and heart of God. And I said, as a young preacher, um, I said, Lord, I would never have that ability. You put me in that situation, like as a soldier of Christ Jesus, you put me in that situation and I would look over my notes and choose one and go with it because I do not have the maturity to do that. So would you please grow me? And so I want you to see it in the text, right? What, relating to God like a servant means you don't know. And then, and then keep going. What his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known. Again, highlight that, underline that, circle that, whatever. But please just see it in the text. This is an incredible, beautiful biblical theme. Genesis 18 and 19. Um, how could I not tell my friend Abraham? We see it lived out there. And then the commentary. How could I not tell my friend Abraham? Amos 3. The Lord God does nothing apart from telling his servants the prophets. So, of course, Old Testament terminology, right? But you see the heart of God. Those that walk closely with him, he shares his mind and heart with them, so they know. They know what he's doing. And then here in John 15, no longer do I call you servants. A servant doesn't know. I have called you friends because all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. It wasn't very long ago that I said to the Lord in the quiet place, I said, I, it's just uh, pretty sad how selfish I've been in my approach to you. It's been so much about me. How are you feeling today? What are you burdened about? Fellowship with God. That's a pretty big privilege for a little sinner like me. Uh, Paul said it, Philippians 3, like we all quote it. I want to experientially know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We can fellowship with God, every one of us that are believers. The only limitation in your love relationship is you. The only limitation in your fellowship is you. Do I know what the journey will look like? No, no, of course not, but it's right there. 
You can be a friend of God. Now, I feel obligated in a good way uh, to say this. In Hebrews chapter 5, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says the second member of the Godhead approached the first member of the Godhead, and he was heard in prayer because of his godly reverence, his godly fear. So when I say you can be a friend of Christ, I'm not, I'm not denying that we must approach him. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We must approach him reverentially. But that does not discount the fact that, that we're invited into a friendship with Christ. This blew my mind. I had no expectation of this. Ten years ago, no expectation of this. My definition of the Christian life was work as hard as you can. That was kind of my definition of a soldier. Work as hard as you can. Fight as hard as you can. Do as much as you can for the Lord. And then heaven, that will be amazing. So I thought of love relationship with God as then, and I just was totally missing this. We kind of all were. We've accepted this, this American form of Christianity where we spend 110% of our money and 110% of our time, and we work, 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 right? And there's so much good in that, but we cannot miss this, or we'll be fruitless and powerless, and we'll see the decline that we see in our, in our circles. There are biblical reasons why our circles are declining why the church in North America as a whole is declining. And the Lord, as much as we're willing, is addressing, is addressing those things. So um, we will stop there on purpose, um, and then we'll pick it up with the Lord's help as we go on. Um, number one, we are called to abide. Number two, to obey is to abide. And then number three, you can be a friend of Christ. Don't be stupid. There's nothing that is so amazing in life as a friendship with the Lord. It's, it's crazy, the privilege that that is for little sinners like me. To be able to walk with him and know his mind, know his heart, fellowship with him. Uh, okay, let's pray. Father, thank you um, for the word. Uh, we pray that the word would shine. We pray that the word would be clear. We pray that the Holy Spirit of power would take the word and change lives. And I don't know what that means. Um, I don't need to know. That's a thousand levels above my pay grade, and it's a burden that I don't have to bear. But I pray for the reality of John 15, 9 through 16, in the lives of every person here, starting with me. Thank you that there is no end to this process of growth. That, that our love relationship with you changes, it grows, it matures every six months, every year. It is not the same as it was just months before. You continue to draw us into this place where we are so blessed that we never even want to leave our prayer closet, literally and physically. Um, we taste eternity in your presence when we obey these scriptures. And so please, we pray for the reality of this in every life here. Uh, again, starting with me, we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.